0: off your device. That's soberlink.com forward slash T a M and let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland and I'm your host, and today, my guest is John Dylan. He is a singer and songwriter, radio producer, guitar maker, and author. And he is going to talk about his current project, the album Hope Road from Addiction to Recovery. John's going to share his story of finally finding sobriety and spiritual growth through the 12-step community and how now he is sharing his hope and wisdom through his music. It was great to talk with John and hear his story about how he tracks his own recovery through his album and decided to write this album and share it with others who may still be struggling and need more hope in their life about the possibility of having recovery and having that fulfilling and thriving life. I hope you enjoy John's story and stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear one of his tracks from his album, Hope Road from "Addiction to Recovery, The Help I Need. All right, let's go ahead and start this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is John Dillon and... John is going to talk about his music, he's going to talk about recovery, all sorts of stuff. So, John, why don't you just introduce yourself and we'll go from there.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dwayne. It's really nice to be here. Uh, where to start? I guess I could start at the uh, beginning of when uh, music really came into my life. and I grew up in the 60s, the 1960s, and I was... Uh, Fortunate to hear the Beatles when they performed on the Ed Sullivan show back in 1964. And wow. uh, I think that was a, a real something that really opened my eyes. I, I'd never heard anything like that or seen anything like that before. And also the fact that the girls seemed to really love these four guys with guitars. And I thought, wow, right, right. You know, maybe I should take up guitar. <laughs> Long story short, my aunt happened to give me a guitar for my 13th birthday, and I just started playing along with records and, and learning how to play. And, and you uh, also
0: make guitars, right? You also yeah, make was them? Some,
1: that was something that came along maybe a decade later. You know, I loved the instruments so much that uh, I decided to learn how to make them.
0: Wow, wow. So let's get to the next part, I guess, where since. We're talking about addiction and recovery and music. How did these things start to pull together?
1: Well, I guess the, uh, having grown up in the 60s, it was the hippie generation. And I was a rebellious teenager, and drugs and alcohol were part of the music scene back then as I grew in my teenage years. And it was fun back then. It was, it was, uh, inspiring creatively we and my friends got together to play music and jam and get high and it was all right. but fast forwards maybe five more years uh, seven more years then the drugs and alcohol were not fun anymore and uh, I became in the 80s I became addicted to cocaine and that was what really led me led me uh, to my bottom to my uh, surrender
0: wow so you were you were playing music in the beginning it was really something that i guess what you said it's like offered inspiration or opened you up or allowed you to be different i guess in a different state and really let your creativity kind of come out through that state but then something something changed
1: yeah yeah it was kind of interesting yeah. And sandwiched in there, you know, I, I was living the hippie life for a good two three years. And then I ended up joining a, uh, a meditation community in, in northern New Mexico. Started out as a commune, but there was a, a meditation teacher, a, a guru. And one of the requirements was to give up drugs and alcohol. So for actually about eight years, I was in meditation morning and evening and sundays we would get together as a group and it was a real spiritual community and i found that through that i was able to experience that creative high that i did get from drugs without drugs and so that was a real interesting part of my growth uh, my spiritual growth but then that sort of came to an end because my marriage, which was part of that group, came to an end. And when I left the group, then the uh, the drugs and alcohol started to creep back into my life.
0: Right. So there was a time for you when you were, you know, sober, I guess, mm-hmm. to call it that. And that you weren't using and you really were finding your creativity out of your own spirit, out of mindfulness, out of being present. But it sounds like there were these underlying things that were still lurking there. And once that structure ended, I guess, or stopped, that the drugs and alcohol started to come back.
1: Right. Yeah, it was like my growth stopped and then I was on this other path for a while. And when I left that, I just felt like I wanted to start experimenting again. So gradually, uh, this was in the early '80s, and uh, cocaine was pretty prevalent in those years. And right. So I got in with a group of people, musicians that were were using cocaine on a regular basis, and uh, so it just it just grew and grew and grew to a point where I was living a double life. And there's actually uh, one of the songs on my albums called the double life and right uh, yeah i uh, traveled at that time i was working in a family business and traveled a lot and i found that when i was home with my family i was i was one person and when i was out on the road which was when i was able to acquire the drugs so i found myself living a very very different life at that time
0: i have a question did you in that first kind of part of using, before you went to the meditation retreat, had you used cocaine then or never had really experimented with it? And then this new, like in the 80s when cocaine was all over the place, you found that and that did something for you that was completely different, I'm, I make up.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're correct. In the, the late 60s, it was primarily marijuana and psychedelics. LSD, mescaline, things like that. It was more mind-expanding drugs. I, right, would, right. I would classify them. Cocaine was something quite different.
0: It created a different something in you that your body, I guess, and your brain and your mind really struck to. Yeah. Stuck to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a different sort of a high, but it it made me feel I don't know. Powerful in a, in a certain yeah crazy way. Yeah. Once I really started going down that path, it, it wasn't long before I craved it. You know, it wasn't just doing it for fun. It was it was more of a craving that I I had to satisfy.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine like ending that relationship, your your marriage, and moving out of that community would be a huge emotional upset, a, a huge emotional life stressor. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, cocaine made you feel powerful, feel strong, feel all these other things. I can see how that would be, that feeling would be attractive, that feeling would have such a draw to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was like I was coming out of my shell. It was a pretty sheltered life that I was living in that in that spiritual community. And so I had to cope with the world, in a way that I hadn't before, and I think, I think the alcohol and the cocaine helped with that.
0: Right. So it started to get bad. One of your songs called "White Flag" is all about that moment when it's uh, you surrender, right? <laughs> exactly. So tell tell us about that, and tell us because I really like that
1: song. So yeah, okay. I like to call it uh, a divine intervention. In the form of a run-in with the law, oh, I was, you know, on a, a cocaine-alcohol bender, in driving around in a part of town I shouldn't be, have been driving around in, and I got pulled over by the cops, and they asked me to to see if I could walk in a straight line, and I was pretty pretty high. I I found that there was a balance I could do with with alcohol and cocaine that. You know the the alcohol got me one way, and then the c- cocaine brought me back the other way, and I could almost, I could almost walk the straight line, but, but they weren't having any of it. So they started to, yeah. they searched the car, and, and there was a bag of coke in there, and an open bottle of wine, and and uh, so that was that was it. I was uh, handcuffed and hauled in.
0: That was the end of the double life.
1: Well, it was the yeah, it was the end of the double life. It was the beginning of of my recovery, my reconciliation. As I said, I was working for my family's business at that time, and we had a reputation to uphold. And when my arrest hit the newspapers, and uh, I say in the in the song, "The Evening News," yeah. I had to confess to my family. I couldn't hide it from them anymore. And like the song says, there's a verse in the song where it says I, I wound up in my mother's room crying out this painful tune and basically I had broken down, I had given up, I had to confess to my mother and my my it seemed to I could speak with my mother more easily than I could speak with my father at that time. So but fortunately wow. yeah, yeah. And so I said oh, okay. <laughs> I you don't know this about me, but this is this is who I am, and this is what I've been doing. And uh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, that's like one of those stories where though the double life, the two lives just crash together. I mean, here it is in the newspaper, public, everywhere. Like yeah. you, you can't you can't run from that,
1: right? And so at that point, I, I realized I had no choice but to ask for help. And my family, uh, my mom and dad had a friend in their generation who was a recovering alcoholic. And he worked as an intake counselor for a treatment center up in northeastern Pennsylvania. And I asked my mom to to give him a call. And he came over and we had a a pretty deep conversation. And uh, he said, I think they have a bed with your name on it up there and so he said can you hang on until tomorrow and i said yep i can do that
0: wow so you you the help started to appear for you as you kind of surrendered to that process yeah and and you got there and you went into treatment
1: yep went into treatment the next day i i was ready i knew i wanted to change but before i couldn't do it on my own and i knew that if I did what they said, and if I really was a good student, uh, so to speak, right. which you know I had had experience in the past of you know school experiences where I was really dedicated and and did very well, so I I kind of treated this like a uh, summer camp boot camp kind of an experience where I could leave the whole world behind that was causing all these problems in my life and. Uh, When I first got there, they were assigning different jobs, physical tasks for people to do chores, so to speak. And I volunteered to be the person who took the trash out every day. And I thought that that was a metaphor for taking the trash out of my brain and giving it away and and putting that behind me.
0: So you really went all in at this point. you just said i I have to do this I, I want to change. I want to get out of this this space i i can't I can't do this anymore
1: exactly, yeah, and I knew that but my life really depended on it. you know, if I had kept going down the the path I was going down, I knew it was going to uh, end in even bigger disaster than losing my family's trust and, and support. Wow, uh, ironically, like by, by confessing to my parents and to my wife at that time, they were very supportive. and so I did I found the help I needed at at that rehab. Uh, I was there for twenty eight days, and uh, when I left, they said, "You can't go home unless you get a temporary sponsor." So uh, I knew, well, one of the cool things was is that when I was at the tr- this treatment center, they were having their, it was in August, and they had their annual alumni reunion. And people came from far and wide for a Saturday afternoon and told their stories about how they got their help at this treatment center. And uh, I ran into a fellow that I had known from my hometown. His name was Bob. I asked him, uh, I said, would you be my temporary sponsor? And he said yes, and we talked for a while. Long story short, he became my temporary sponsor and helped me through the 12 steps. And it's really kind of interesting because you don't hear this very often, but he is still my sponsor to this day, uh, 29 years later. Wow.
0: That's amazing. What an amazing relationship. And, you know, working through the steps, that's hard work and that's Mm -hmm. like deep work and to have that kind of relationship with someone. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we went, we were up, up and down for a while and over the years. And I've had years of being more involved with 12 step recovery and less involved. And, but it, it sort of goes in, in cycles and, uh, Right now I'm in in a, a cycle where I'm really concentrating on service and wanting to take what I've learned over these years and seeing if I can help others by sharing my story through through music.
0: Awesome, let's let's start talking about that. How did you had music at the very beginning? I mean it's been such a big part of your life. How did it start to help your recovery? And then we we'll, I'd love to talk about your album Hope Road from Addiction to Recovery and how that weaved into that and how you're pulling that all together.
1: Yeah, as I said, music has been a a very important part of my life all through these ups and downs. When I first got into recovery, um, I started writing about things that were happening to me, wishes, hopes. uh, But I found that the process, the creative process of writing and songwriting which was my natural drift it really helped me to process what was going on in, inside of myself and just putting them down on paper and some of them eventually turning into songs was a very important part and i've done a lot of research on the creative process i've actually written a book called the 2020 creativity solution where i've, I've studied creativity and and i think one of the interesting things in how it relates to 12-step recovery is that when, when we're engaged in the creative flow, uh, it's like we're able to connect with a higher power uh, in, in some ways. And I think early on, creative process helped me to, to strengthen my relationship with a higher power.
0: Right, to be able to open yourself up to that process i mean i think when i look at creativity i think that it's a very vulnerable space to be in mm-hmm. because you're just letting stuff flow from you and if you're i guess restrained or or not it, it can be difficult to do right mm-hmm. so getting to that flow state getting to that flow state in recovery
1: yeah it's a challenge But i guess i had experience with it before so it, it came pretty naturally to me
0: so how did you start to put down these songs and how did you start to write them and how did you structure this album?
1: Well, as I said, I, I've been writing songs and and playing music pretty much all my life, but uh, I guess about six months ago, it was in the uh, the fall of 2021, I took a songwriting class online and one of the assignments was to start a song by writing a letter to someone with whom I had unfinished business.
0: Ah. And
1: I thought, oh, man. well, I could write about my ex-wife. But what, what came out after a little bit of free writing was a letter to my disease of alcoholism, my disease of addiction. I wrote a letter to the disease as, as a, a first-person narrative. And what emerged from that was the song Addiction, which is on the album. So I started talking to the disease and how it made me feel and you know, just how helpless I was at the time and how you caught up in the cycle. And I played it for the class. And I think I was the only person in recovery in the class. There were, I guess, about eight or ten other people. And I played it for them. And they were kind of blown away. They, they said, This is a real important story, and you should really tell the story. And so that kind of provided the impetus. Well, okay, I've written a song about addiction. Now, what would come next? Well, how about my surrender? How about how did I come out of the addiction? And so White Flag was the, was the second song that I wrote. Right,
0: right. Yeah. And how you moved through that that whole process it's like in the album it's it's that whole journey
1: yeah the album i structured it in such a way that it's it's chronological and i start with my life as a hippie uh, i spent years hitchhiking and traveling over the com- all over the country uh that's a song called uh, sacramento to cheyenne uh, talking about riding a freight train with my buddy charlie ended up going to Woodstock. Uh, that was a, a huge uh, turning point. But, uh, so anyway, when that song kind of per- portrays in a, in a capsule the, the hippie of life. And then I go into the double life, which is what we talked about earlier, where I started uh, getting really living two different lives and getting into the depths of my addiction. And then we go into to a song that I just talked about, uh, Addiction, and the song after that is called War. And that song was written by my son, Jackson. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. And he's he and I have a similar tendency. Uh, he's in early recovery right now. And he doesn't mind me telling people that. But this is a song that he wrote when he was in his addiction called War. And it's about that war that goes on within yourself when you want to stop but you can't stop. You want to stop, you know you have to stop, but you can't. And so I thought that I really wanted to put that song in there. Yeah. And then we get into the surrender and the recovery part of it.
0: Yeah. And it's it's like, you know, when, when you listen to your songs, it's like I can feel the emotion that is expressed in them, the struggle, and it's... Such a good way to put that together, like to be able to communicate the feelings that go along with addiction, like your your son song war or white flag or any of those to be able to capture that moment, that feeling that you're having. Because sometimes words don't really how do you say it? I don't want to say we just talking about it doesn't do it. Sometimes this kind of expression
1: can help get that out there. Well, that's that's my hope, and I think there's a certain magic about music in that it it carries a a message in a way that can reach people more directly, more powerfully than the spoken word.
0: Right. So you you take your music to different places, to different recovery places, to recovery uh, houses, to recovery coffee shops. Mm-hmm. all of that tell me a little bit about, about doing that work and and performing for others and bringing this message to others who might be struggling out there
1: well that's that's where where my focus is right now now that the album has been released uh we had a cd release concert at cafe lena up here in uh, saratoga springs new york to uh a real a very responsive audience and i'm Now in the process of booking uh, opportunities to play at rehabs, treatment centers, Uh, I performed at a uh, sober coffee house in Pennsylvania a couple of months ago. So now it's really about going out there and, and taking these songs to where people might be able to respond to the message. What does it mean to you to be able to do
0: this, to be able to give this back?
1: Well... I feel like it's something I've been working toward my whole life. You know, I'm 71 years old. You know, all my life, there have been little pieces of this that, that are starting to make sense. You know, the guitar, the performing, the guitar playing, even the guitar making. I In my performances, I use a, a handmade guitar that I made myself. And over the years, I've written songs that were more personal. I've written political songs but I feel like right now this project kind of brings it all together in a way that's really who I am, you know, and I'm able to really share a a piece of who I am with people. I think in the past I've kind of been skirting around the issue a little bit, but with Hope Road, I really had to dig deep. I really had to say, okay, what, what do I really feel here? What, what does this really mean to me and and hopefully i've i've gotten there to a point where we really reach people
0: yeah i i'm just i'm kind of inspired by that that you've taken all of this experience of your life and your own suffering and pain and i'm i'm just thinking about what you were talking about earlier being there with your mom and having to tell her what's going on and feeling all of that shame and disappointment and anguish and then to this point now where you're sharing all the the hope and and the wisdom and all the learning to, to share to others that there's there's a possibility of something different.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you've encapsulated what what my mission is here and I really appreciate that you that you get that. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I it just uh, well it's meaningful in a way on my side to just witness it and and in in my way like be a part of that it's it's pretty amazing thank you so let's talk a little bit more about some of the recovery songs that bring hope and possibility to everybody's life
1: yeah so we got to uh, white flag where i surrendered and that was really the the turning point The next song is 30 Years of Tears, which is actually a cover of a John Hyatt song about his experience in rehab, and I I couldn't help but use that because it's such a great song. Then I go into a song called The Help I Need, which talks about my early life in the 12-step program and my work that I did with my sponsor, and it, it just kind of encapsulates service, uh, helping others, and how the the recovery works. And um, Learn to Serve is a song about service. It's more of a rock and roll kind of song, but it's, it's about how if I can help people with this music, with this message, then I will have accomplished a lot. And then there is a, uh, I'll skip forward a little bit, there's a song called Gratitude, which for me, being grateful and sharing gratitude is is a real key to my sobriety. When I'm uh, trying to go to sleep at night, if I can't sleep, I make myself a gratitude list in my head. And then there's a a song called BYOG, which 12-step recovery is a spiritual program. And it doesn't matter what your religion is or your lack of religion. Uh, We talk about a higher power. And I got the idea for this song from Arlo Guthrie. Uh Arlo bought a church back in the late 60s in western Massachusetts. And the uh, townspeople said, well, what kind of church is it? He said, it's a bring your own God church. And uh, so I thought, well, that that kind of encapsulates the whole god of our understanding concept, and uh, it doesn't matter what your religion is there's a way to get better there's a way to
0: get better i i i love that and i love that approach because it's open to everybody you know you want help and support bring your own spirituality bring your own god to to the process there's no one right way Mm -hmm. there's many ways to the same place
1: Right, right. And I'm not here to say that 12-step is the only way. It works for me and that there are definitely many other other ways out there. Uh, and then the song, the album closes with Hope Road, which is the title track, and talks about how my life is today and how recovery has manifested itself in my life and how grateful I am to be living this life and to be... Uh, traveling on the road of hope
0: yeah absolutely and i i can feel that as you talk I, I think a lot of people when they're in the midst of of addiction can't see that piece of it you know they can't see that hope they can't see that possibility they can't see that you can have an incredible life you have to do the work i guess definitely it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't just come to you it doesn't fall in your lap you have to work for it but it's it's worth the
1: work absolutely yeah yeah and uh yeah i'm so grateful that the they say putting down the drink and the drug is just just the beginning then then you get to dig in deep and find out what were the causes and conditions and what things you can change and how you can change them
0: and almost this is just the normal Process of addiction and recovery. It's everyone, I think, who's in recovery or in addiction has to take these steps.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Indeed, in that in the song, I say twelve road signs guide us home.
0: Yeah, it's like a, a pathway that you can take, something you can do to make those changes happen. Wow, John, thank you so much for. Coming on to the addictive mind and sharing, I usually ask one question before we go. And that's just someone out there may be struggling, and you could say one thing to them. What would you want to tell them? What, what would you want them to know in this moment?
1: Mm. Well, I would say the word hope pretty much says hope. it all. I certainly did not feel it when I was in early recovery, um, but I did see how people had changed. Uh, I mentioned earlier on, we had that reunion at the rehab when I was there. And I could see how, how these people were living really good, happy, joyful lives. And to me, that really gave me hope. So I would say to someone who is suffering, it's worth it to do whatever you need to do to get on the path of recovery.
0: And here you are giving hope to others. So thank you so much, John, for coming on to The Addicted Mind. I just really appreciate it.
1: Uh, thank you so much. It's It's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, and before we go, real quick, where can people find you?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Hoperoadmusic.com is my website. And there you can find... Uh, links to to get the album and what i'd like to also say is that it's available on a pay what you wish basis Uh, i don't want a financial barrier to be there Uh, you can get it for a dollar if you want you can get it for i actually had somebody bought one for a hundred dollars so it averages out my mission is to help as many people as i can with this music so go to hoperoadmusic.com and that's where you can find us.
0: Right. We're going to put a song at the end of this episode, and I don't think we had we had talked about different ones. But which one do you want to want to put here?
1: Hmm. Let's uh, suggest uh, the help I need because I think the that, help I need that's the one that that was the real turning point for me, and it, and it really talks about how it works and and what we can do to get better. Awesome. Thank you, John. Thank you.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, you can find all the links in the show notes at theaddictedmind.com. And don't forget, stay tuned after this episode to hear a track from John's album Hope Road. From addiction to Recovery. The track title is The Help I Need. And if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, if you're getting a lot out of it, please leave a review in iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, that really does help people find the Addicted Mind. And I really appreciate it. I do read those reviews and take them seriously. So thank you so much for everyone who has, has done that. I really do appreciate it. And think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast. Click join and continue the conversation online. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you on the next episode.
2: I finally surrendered and confessed My addiction had brought me to my knees When I truly admitted my life was a mess The help I needed was there for me My friend said I could stop the runaway train Been where I'd been Found a way to face the fear ease the pain Live a good life day to day The help I needed was there for me, just had to ask and had to be Honest about my faults and mistakes Open to a new way of life Willing to do Whatever it takes The help I needed was there for me We met for coffee at the daily grind And down some old church basement stair Room full of phones, all different kinds The scent of coffee filled the air Listened to stories of where they'd been Did what they said, kept coming back Made the coffee and a few new friends Soon my life was getting back on track The help I needed was there for me Just had to ask and had to be Honest about my faults and mistakes Open to a new way of life Willing to do whatever it takes The help I needed was there for me Dug in deep to clear my past Shared my secrets with a trusted friend Prayed my faults be removed at last To those I'd hurt I made amends Fog had cleared A whole lot less Pain and strife Shame and fear Had disappeared A spirit force Was working in my life Days of joy Days of sorrow A bumpy road But I'll be fine Don't think About tomorrow Take it one day at a time. The help I need is there for me. Just have to ask and have to be honest about my faults and mistakes. Open.